delicious, silky smooth, cheesy, cauliflowery. It's gonna be a sensation. If you let it into your life, it will be a new favorite. Smooth on the inside, crunchy on the outside. <laughs> you sexy beast. <laughs> Hello my sumptuous sandcastles, it's Chappie of British Butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese episode 213. Welcome along to another Friday in our existence. And I hope you're building beautiful sandcastles, lots of moats. I hope you're on a rickety deck chair on the beach. And maybe sticking your feet into those moats and let the water run over it. Yes, we're not in Pampipolopolis this week, but... Uh, God, it's hot out there, isn't it? It's hot everywhere. Everything is absolutely sizzling. I hope you've not got that awful uh, situation where there's a hosepipe ban. I think a lot of people in the UK have the, has the hosepipe bans. Here, everything is very, very green. We're having this sort of monsoon season in uh, Colorado. It comes around sort of late July, August time, sometimes in July. And everywhere looks quite green, but there is some sort of drought alert going on. But the poor frogs, the poor toads are roasting on the roadways, the pathways, the trails. I've seen so many, there's so many frogs and toads around this year. But the poor darlings can't get back. It's sort of Silas Green back on his back and he's, uh, and the poor things are roasting away. I had some stringy bacon this morning. I love to start the weekend off with a breakfast burrito. Now, for those who haven't had breakfast burritos, I highly recommend it. What you need is a nice sort of floury, plump tortilla, or tortilla. <laughs> uh, fluffy the better, you don't want them too crispy. You don't want them too slender. You want a bit of thickness to your tortilla. Do you like a bit of thickness to your tortilla? Yes. Eggs, scrambled eggs, uh, potatoes, chipped potatoes, nice and roasted, some green chili, lots of cheese, wrap it up, baby. Uh, you can put some bacon there, but I don't like the stringy bacon. I had stringy bacon this morning, and it's stuck in the teeth. I mean, I've got the gaps in the teeth everywhere, you know, as you do with British teeth. Uh, but yeah, the bacon's stuck there, and um, I'm still on the Yorkshire tea. Just to you know, just to let you know, I'm still on the Yorkshire tea. Love the PG tips, but the Yorkshire tea is a bit more work. The, when you've got a pyramid tea bag, the uh, PG tips, it sort of floats. It emulsifies, it emanates out of the tea bag. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to do any stirring. Now my wrists are as strong as they were when I was a teenager. Let me tell you that. Because I have to stir this, I have to strain this uh, Yorkshire tea bag. There is a lot more work. I mean, it, you, the amount of prodding I'm doing, it's almost like I'm you know, checking myself for cancer here. But uh, yeah, if you've got lumpy tea bags, you know, make sure you go to the doctor and get them checked out. But these involve a lot more work. So my right arm is, is strong because I'm like mixing this around, prodding it, straining it, all of the rest just to get the perfect cuppa. But let me tell you, the Yorkshire tea, so strong. I mean, I feel a little bit more manly. I feel that I'm now living living with my back hair and my testosterone and everything else. I feel like I can grah now, I can grah. Because I'm drinking this very, very strong tea. The teaspoon nearly stands up erect in the cup. That's how strong this is. 
Highly recommended Yorkshire Gold Tea. Love the PG tips as well. As I said, a lot less work with the tips. Ah, very good strong brew as well. Heard this the other day though. As it's dry and there's a drought and everything else going on, apparently the ground starts to crack and uh, you get little canyons in there uh, because everybody's expecting the rain to come. Nature is expecting the rain to come and it starts cracking ready for the rain. So all you poor people in the UK that are dry as dust bowls out there, like the Sahara Desert, and you're getting those little cracks, rain is apparently on its way. And I never knew that before. That's something that... Uh, has uh, enlightened me over the course of the week. I think it's fascinating. Nature's getting ready. It's telling everybody that we're going to have a deluge. We're going to have a downpour coming soon to wash away those woes, wash away the dust, freshen things up. And that downpour is going to smell so good. Isn't it? Smell of like the rain cascading down, washing out the gullies, the real gully washer. That's what you need, isn't it? On a, on a, it's been so dry as a wash away all the dust and all the cobwebs rain wane go away come back on mother's washing day well you want the rain to come this time we have a whole compendium of podcasts if you haven't listened before to the podcast we have a whole librarian we have a whole library full of old podcasts that you can listen to back from 2020 212 editions other podcasts last week just to give you an idea we talked about texting with poopy fingers even the crows not eating mcdonald's the best dunking biscuits how apple cider vinegar reduces warts a new type of martial arts hung fu uh, and also uh, how i thought my box of tea had been stolen as well and the marvel that is castor oil packs apparently you uh, strap these castor oil packs uh to your belly or below your, near your intestine and you're never going to have constipation ever again i mean quality broadcasting quality broadcasting on keep calm and Kalibachi. this week though it's a whole different matter today we're going back to the old world the old world of the old uber drivers tales from the old uber drivers this week joe yeah joe's appearing we've had other uber drivers appearing on the podcast little stories little additions talking about uh, some of their shenanigans here can you get ammonia toxicity uh also there were pictures out there no shorts during the heat wave of 1976 my dislike of uh, weak tea uh, also, toasted cheese sandwiches. Let's let's indulge in the toasted cheese sandwich. I know we talked about this quite a few times, but I like to wax lyric about the toasted cheese sandwich. Was he all the first emo? Uh, loss of the reading out of the classified football results. Nobody in America probably knows what the classified football results is. We'll give you a little example of that as well. Dog breath. Italian uncles apparently getting livid over their nieces going on dates and having to pay for the dates themselves. Do you have an asbestos tongue? Do women ever cut their legs? I cut my chin. I tell you, it's like an abattoir. Why do I have the situation where I'm cutting myself, but I don't know if women ever cut their legs or not. I never heard of a woman cutting their leg, but I guess maybe my chin's more protruding and a little bit more uh, sensitive. I'm probably moving as well to a new Chappy Towers soon and how you can equate the rubbish outside of your new place 
and thinking, well, this is the place I need to move to. A better quality of rubbish. We'll be talking about that. Better quality of trash. I don't think the Gen Zs are work shy fops. Maybe the Gen Xs and the Millennials are work shy fops. I don't think the Gen Zs are, and I'll be telling you why. I'll be giving you my summation of why that is the case. Have you ever, ever had a bee or a hornet up your trouser leg? Well, I did earlier today, and I'm going to give you uh, the conclusion of that rather, that could have been a rather painful, stinging story here. Uh, how homeless people need to look for better quality bags if possible. I saw one today, and it, it really bruised my heart. We're going to have some very British problems. We may have some rape my plate. There's so much packed into this uh, functious. Yeah, it's a fun laden. I'm going to call it a functious podcast uh, over the course of the next uh, hour or so. And we have another podcast before the end of the weekend as well. So strap in. It's going to be a hot ride. Make sure you get yourself a nice wet, probably ice flannel uh, or a knotted handkerchief. I'm going to freeze a handkerchief over the course of the next hour of the podcast. And before the end of the show, I'm going to put it on and ice my rather large forehead. So I'm going to give you something to play whilst you're lazing around, maybe reclining on a wafty sort of hammock or potentially a rickety uh, deck chair. Or even your pool, if you're, if you're sort of stuck between a circular flamingo type of inflatable in the pool, if you're wedged in there. You can't get out all day. Make sure you spray the suntan on because you're wedged in one of those flamingos. It has happened to me before. It can cause you all sorts of issues. I can give you a little game. So I'm going to want you to guess what's going on here just by the music. So what do you think is going on? Use your imagination. Use your creativity. I know a lot of people who listen to this show are very, very creative sort of whimsical types, as we like on the show. So what, what's going on here? We'll play it a couple of times through the show and see if you can guess what's going on. All right, we'll have it one more. Okay, what do you think is going on and there's a little scene, a little comedic scene. What's going on? The answer's on a postcard to Chappie Towers before the end of the show. Playing golf last weekend, I had the problem where is I got caught a little bit short. And you don't want to get caught short. You want to try to use the garderobe, the facilities, the little boy's room on the sort of 10th tee, just before the 10th tee. Because if you have to go on the course, you've got the situation where you've got a hole to pee in or even worse if you have to slip something else it's yeah you're gonna have to squat and you're probably going to have your scrub your hands with bleach for an eternity to get yourselves clean but i went in and i almost got knocked out with the smell of ammonia oh my gosh what a stench and i was thinking is it possible can human beings be killed from ammonia toxicity there's a smell of ammonia and it was up my nostrils for like the last four holes i couldn't smell anything else but apparently once inhaled ammonia can be harmful to humans it immediately interacts with the moisture in the mucus to form caustic ammonium hydroxide as a result inhalation of ammonia vapors may cause irritation to the eyes nose skin throat and respiratory tract 
Low concentrations of ammonia may aggravate the respiratory condition of asthma in patients. Well, luckily, I don't have asthma, but I, I've never smelled anything like it. This, it really, I felt I, I'm not going to have any problems with nasal tusks anymore because I think they were dissolved as I took a whiff of the ammonia. And I was trying not to breathe, but the days when I could go underwater and uh, swim, you know, to, from the deep to the shallow underwater, I can't do that. I can barely hold my breath for 10 seconds now. So I took in some of the ammonia and uh, I felt a little bit lightheaded. So if you see, if there's a hole in the ground and there's no flowing water, no flushing system, do not enter. It's toxic. Does your cock have morning glory? Well, German rooster that crows 200 times a day sends neighbors to court. The owner of a cock, or cockerel, named Magda, accused of crowing up to 200 times a day to impress the four hens in his garden, he's a cocky little bugger, isn't he, has been taken to court by neighbors who say they cannot tolerate it anymore. We can't use the garden, we can't open any windows, said Friedrich Wilhelm. He doesn't start until 8 a.m. because he's locked up at night. He calls 100 to 200 times during the day. It's unbearable. It's a bit like torture, says his wife, Jutta. <laughs> the couple who want the bird removed made a daily log of the times and, and the number of cockadoodle-doos in preparation for the trial. Another neighbor moved away in 2020 because of the crowing, according to Friedrich Wilhelm. A cockle doesn't belong in a quiet residential area says Torsten Gisk. The rooster lives in the in the garden of the villa in the small town of Bad Svalzen in West Germany. He's called Magna because he's originally thought to be a hen and is one of five chicks acquired by the owner. The owner who reportedly refused to remove Magda, the hens need the rooster, otherwise they would pluck at each other. Well, tell them to go pluck off. The case is being heard by the district uh, in Lemengo. We have tried everything, said Friedrich. Our children have tried, our neighbours have tried, arbitrators have tried, the neighbours won't give up his cockerel. And we have to live with it, or win in court. A similar case last year involved a cockerel called Meister Edda. Ended in a settlement after the farmer in the southwestern Germany defended it. The cocks seem a little noisy in Germany, don't they? They're all plumped up and phallic and everything else. However, further demands by the complainant were rejected. They included soundproofing the coop. I mean, what do you do? Like, do you soundproof it with feathers? What are the best, best feathers to soundproof one's coop, I wonder? Meister Edda's owner, Karen Pfeiffer Rockenfeller, said she was concerned a ruling against her would force her to keep her sheep and horses quiet too. So you have to, like, not only soundproof the coop, you have to soundproof the stables and everything else. It's lucky that old MacDonald wasn't sort of born in these times. I mean, he had a very, very noisy farmyard, didn't he? He would need a lot of noise cancelling and soundproofing, a lot of extra feathers. They're a regular feature here on the podcast, Tales from the Old Uber Driver. Fairly regular. We've had some great Uber drivers because a lot of these Uber drivers are contrarians. You're talking to them and they want to say the opposite thing to you. Some of them are very, very friendly. And I had probably the most friendliest Uber driver the other day. He was a fascinating fella. In his 70s, Joe the Uber driver. Now this guy is quite the character. I didn't need to talk very much. He did all the talking. He basically told me his life story. Had six children. Uh, sadly, his wife died a few years ago. 
And since then, since the age of 70, he's been out and about on the town and he's become Joe the Philanderer. He has two ladies, one, uh, one in her 40s, one in her 30s. I think one's called Dolores, who's very, very needy. She called him like four or five times during the course of the Uber ride the other day. And, uh, and this guy, he's, he's said he's discovered the pill. He's got a lot of stamina. And then there's another one north of Denver who doesn't know about the other one. Dolores knows about the younger girl, but the younger girl doesn't know about Dolores. And he's been lots of dates and, he, and he's now back on a Catholic dating website because he's a religious fella. And he's on the Catholic uh, religious website and he's swiping right and left yet again. He's a busy guy. I thought I had boundless stamina, but this, this guy, this guy uh, has the biscuit on all of it. Uh, we don't know what sort of biscuit that he's eating, but uh, it's giving him the power, energy and fortitude to keep going and drive his vehicle. I mean, he's a fascinating guy. Really very interesting. But then I think he gets, I mean, the poor fellow as well, he's getting conned as well. Like he's, he's, he sees an attractive young lady. He circles around, goes to talk to her. She's been chucked out of the house by her boyfriend and he starts lending her money. Yeah, Joe, come on, you know, don't, don't let the pretty faces like, you know, I tell you, it's like, uh, it's like putting a magnet on a compass. I tell you, it's spinning around, out of control, doesn't know what it's doing. This is Joe at the moment. He sees a pretty face. He's, uh, he's taking a few too many of the uh, V pills potentially or, uh, or the equivalent. And he's uh, and he absolutely out of control. I mean, this guy is uh, he could probably steer his uh, steer his Uber with his, you know, yeah, <laughs> he probably could hands free. And I think a couple of the girls he's met, he's met on rides. I mean, thank God, this he did, goodness, of godness, thank godness, he doesn't swing both ways because he could he was chatting me up. So there we go, we have Joe the Philanderer, the 71 year old Uber driver who keeps on a-chucking, even though he's in his 70s. Wait a minute, Joe's engine's a little bit hot. We need to put him out here. I mean, we dream about spiders, but do spiders dream themselves? The new studies suggest they just might. Jumping spiders were observed experiencing rapid eye movement sleep and finding advanced scientists understanding a sleep of animals. Humans do it, and so dogs and birds and some other animals. And a new study shows that spiders experience periods of rapid shifting eye movement during sleep, a sleep stage associated with dreaming. This finding is a game changer in scientists' understanding of sleep in different animals, said Professor Shaw. For the study published on Monday in the Journal of Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences, the tiny spiders which capture their prey using their acute vision and jumping prowess sleep upside down hanging by a strand of silk. The video showed that the spiders periodically twitched and curled their legs and became retinal turbulence, components of their 
eyelids and eyes shifting rapidly to indicate they're experiencing some sort of rapid eye movement or REM sleep. The periods of sleep came 15 to 20 minutes, each period lasting about 90 seconds. Young spiders developing bodies nearly transparent make it possible to detect the movements of their retinal tubules. Twitching and curling were also observed in the legs, thumbnail-sized adult jumping spiders whose pigmentation makes it hard to observe their retinal tubules. Spiders have REM sleep, then this changes the landscape of when REM evolves, said Dr. Shaw. Expands the number and types of animals exhibit this hum same human state. He said that it wasn't a surprise that spiders experience REM sleep given the complexity of their tiny brains. In humans, REM sleep commonly appears about 90 minutes after the onset of sleep and recurs periodically until waking. REM sleep is also observed in limited number of animals, including cuttlefish and non-human primates, as well as dogs and birds. The new study didn't measure activity in the spider's poppy-sized brains. He said she believed, Dr. Rosella, that the spider's movement suggested they were dreaming, perhaps replaying some daytime activity. There's a picture on Twitter from 1976. There's a 1976 heat wave in the UK. There's a picture of Tottenham Court Road in London. And nobody had any shorts on. There were a lot of bell bottoms, a lot of flared trousers, but nobody had shorts. And a lot of people didn't even have short sleeve shirts. And it was probably over 100 degrees. People dressed a little bit more formally back then, didn't they? There's no Daisy Dukes or anything like that. I'm just expanding in here. There's a lot of sweat, but no shortage. No shortage going on whatsoever. The answers, though, to the Twitter uh, feed were absolutely hilarious. Shorts weren't invented until 1982 and pioneered in the UK by Wham. True fact. And then somebody responds, my uncle wore khaki shorts during World War II 1940 before both of the whams were born he was truly a pioneer and they're classified as short trousers but somebody zooms in and possibly detects a skirt yes somebody has a mini skirt on and then somebody else they, they, they expand on the whole thing and look how slim everybody looks mcdonald's and kfc have a lot to answer for kfc didn't come to the uk in the 60s and McDonald's came in 1974 to the UK. And somebody says, aye, there wasn't a chicken kebab shop every third building or on every corner, no Deliveroo, or just eat, making it way too convenient to eat shite. If you're lucky, your town had a chippy, oyster fish bar in my case, and maybe an eel pie and mash shop. So true, nobody wore shorts walking down the street and until at least the mid 90s. Unless they were going somewhere to partake in some sort of sport. During the summer of 1976, you'd often see blokes wearing a suit, but no shirt. I'm feeling very old these days. Especially all these Gen Zs and then the generation after them. All these different terms that I do not understand. In the last six months, I've been introduced to the term emo. That's this sort of cool, depressive, everybody dressed in black. Everybody seems and looks miserable. It's almost like the Smiths being reincarnated to 2022. That's how I feel it is anyway. So you have that going on. And I was thinking, do you think, you know, when you're thinking of depressive sorts, was Eeyore the first emo? Now, I did a little bit of research on this, but I, I thought he might be the first, very first depressive 
slightly sad donkey. But Eeyore, the character, exists solely to bring everybody down, but not in the deadpan snarker sense. They're defined entirely by their complete inability to be happy for more than a few seconds at a time, an emotional state that usually arises from only their occasional justified suspicion that they're the butt monkey of the entire universe. They're walking, anthropomorphic personification of a clinical depression however the few moments that they're happy can be a heartwarming moment sometimes overlaps with sour supporter but not often they're generally too unhappy to be effective for or active when upset the eeyore may well become cute and psycho being an eeyore can be easily interchangeable with emo when their angst comes from oversensitivity and introspection a stereotypical goth will adopt such behavior out of a more cerebral, nihilistic view of humanity, as Eeyore, with artistic talent, will use it to express his overwhelming angst. In a certain way, the Eeyore can easily become a wooby. What's a wooby? Some versions may be prone to tears and others might be perpetually dour in a four-temperamental assembler. The Pollyanna is the polar opposite of this trope. Brew up in the 1970s and 80s with mustachioed men reading a rather rickety video printer of the classified football results and my dad looking at the uh, Littlewoods pool coupons, checking them off, wondering if he had won the million. This was our generation through the 1980s. Is this the guy reading out the football scores? And people were transfixed. Now they're doing away with it. They're doing away with the classified football schools. Nobody understands this from another part of the world. It's like the shipping forecast. It's something warm. It's something whimsical. It's something traditional. It's something that was part of one's childhood. But now you will not be having that anymore. So let's go back to a bygone age where the football results were still read out with men with slightly odd facial hair and dodgy tashes. Now we can League Division 4. Scunthorpe nil, Crew nil, Port Vale 1, Halifax 2, Rochdale nil, Chester 1. God dear, dear. <laughs> Torquay 2, Wrexham <laughs> 1. Who's interested in this stuff? <laughs> Burnley, one. <laughs> Colchester, nil. Some boring old market town in the middle of nowhere. One. Obscure coal mining village. One. Dreary seaside resort, two. Some anonymous urban barnacle off the A1. Deadly dull suburb of some northern industrial city. Three. Godforsaken fishing port. Nil. Hideous East Midlands non-entity that doesn't even get a signpost at Spaghetti Junction. Nil. Intolerably ugly West Country sprawl that wasn't helped by a town planner having a fit one Friday afternoon. One. Depressing huddle of one up, two downs, and one Asian greengrocer dwarfed by a derelict dockyard and three giant electricity furnaces belching green smoke all day that's twin with a town in Belgium that doesn't even exist. One. Aldershot. Nil. My 
My nails are rotting because of you. I can't believe you gave me fungus. You are such a slob. So for all of you people out there who don't want to get out of bed, don't want to go and do a job, I may have the perfect job for you. A mattress brand is hiring for a position where sleeping on the job is not just accepted, it is mandatory. My old roommate would love this as he stole somebody's lunch out of the fridge and uh, fell asleep finishing the last of somebody else's sandwich and was woken up by the CEO hit him across the face with a manila folder. Casper though, a New York based company founded in 2014 is hiring Casper sleepers to sleep for a living. Casper sleepers will sleep on our stores in unexpected settings out in the world. Unfortunately, there'll be some work required when employees are awake, namely they'll have to create social media content sharing the experiences as a professional sleeper. The job application is open until August 11, but don't let it go dormant. The ideal candidate should have exceptional sleeping ability. Well, that definitely rules me out. Desire to sleep as much as possible. Ability to sleep for anything. In addition to being paid to sleep, successful candidates will enjoy being able to wear pajamas to work. Just make sure you pull the drawstring tight as you'll be showing off your bottom cleavage, if not. And the flexibility of a part-time schedule, but you cannot work from home. Aspiring sleepers are encouraged to show off their sleep skills on TikTok as part of the application. I mean, what do you do? Have to set up the tripod and record yourself sleeping? I mean, if you're a snorer, could that be a problem? Or have a huge sleep apnea mask? Will that eliminate you from the vetting process? Some of my favorite stories from the week here. 37 stone man forced to pay for two seats on jet finds they arose apart. I bet he had to become good at the splits. And then Brighton and Hove City Council seagulls are being used by drug dealers for delivering illegal narcotics. If you see a seagull with a small backpack, pager or burner phone, please do not approach. They've been trained to attack. Please find one of our enforcement officers and report them. They've been trained as a special form of kung fu to deal with this vermin. Thank you for your vigilance and cooperation. woman has spoken out about her unusual sex life, saying her boyfriend has up to a hundred erections a day and it's tiring her out. <laughs> Brown 31 and Lucas Martins met by chance at a Morrison's supermarket queue. I wonder if they're in the aubergine aisle and since have enjoyed a passionate relationship with lots of flax seeds. But Vicky says her partner's erections are so frequent they can happen at any time, such as a shop or going for a coffee. Frothy uh, latte for me, please, Marlene. Lucas even went to the doctor about it, but was told it was not a medical issue. He said he'd never experienced this before meeting Vicky and puts it down to her being a goddess. He needs to look at me and speak to me and I get hungry for it. If that pheromone and testosterone just link quite quickly together, I can... Easily come to bed and look at Vicky and have an erection. I fall asleep with one and wake up with one. She's basically a forbidden fruit. And that's the reason I just want to eat it. She says it was getting and starting to get in the way of her chores and a point. They live separately now in Stoke and Trent. At least 
has some respite every now and again. Bet it's the same, he can go to sleep with an erection and wake up with one even though he does night shift, there's no change at all. It's every single place we are, we can be having a perfectly normal everyday conversation like, shall we go up and climb this mountain next weekend? Uh, and he has an erection. Our good friends at Very British Problems Official. The escalating levels of annoyance for a Brit. Number one, look. Number two, now look. Now three, now look here. Now number four, now just you look here. And the ultimate, look, mate. And then Very British Problems with unpacking. Number one, knowing you haven't truly moved house until you tell everybody we speak. We're living out of boxes at the minute. Number two, wondering why you packed two old mobile phones, so many still wrapped in complimentary hotel slippers, and a laptop that hasn't worked since 2007. Number three, having the astonishingly ambitious goal of using the packing boxes again one day before you angrily rip them to shreds searching for a walk. Number four, your ideas of box room, study, den, walk-in wardrobe, write a novel in it, yoga retreat, inevitable use for box room, box storage. Number five, having somebody help you unpack, meaning somebody in your house saying, where do you want this until you go insane? Number six, surviving on pizza for the first night and the second and most nights after that, actually. And number seven, asking, why have we got so much stuff? despite the clear answer being you keep relentlessly buying stuff. Number eight, while I think we've made good progress today, translation, it's 11 a.m., we've unpacked one box containing bubble wrap and a sock, and I'd like to lay down. You said no to a cup of tea. You don't know why you did that. No, I'm fine, thanks. Actually, you really like a cup of tea, but you said no, now you have to live with it. Angrily muttering, you're welcome, at an ungrateful person and praying you didn't hear you as you speedily walk away nice cup of tea that'll cool you down and uh i think my favorite of all being a brit making a big fuss over little things and as little fuss as possible over big things okay we're going to continue this and roll this over to the next podcast what do you think this sound effect entails what is the sound effect that's going to play describing the event that is happening Answers on a postcard or at Keep Cheese on Twitter or Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram. This was seen on Reddit the other day. It's obviously Heatwave, uh, Mad Dolls, an Englishman guy in the midday sun, etc. etc. Can I make ice cream from shrews? The cat needs a treat on a hot day like this. My boy, the cat looks very hot and bothered. Girl cat has bought us four shrews already and I found a mouse corpse behind the bin which smells relatively fresh. Do you think cats would like it if I froze them? Perhaps mixed with a little bit of cream? I know they can't taste sugar, so I was thinking of boiling the cream and leaving the shrews to infuse at that stage and then making a sugar-free traditional custard, uh, a blight shoe-flavored, um, and putting them into the ice cream maker. The shrews are already dead, I'm assuming. Alpacas having a dip in Loch Ness tricked viewers into thinking they were the real Nessie. The herd managed to escape their sanctuary, owners on multiple occasions as they frantically tried to find them. Some were out on an organized trek with paying animal lovers while others found a way to join them on the journey. Writers on social media were left in stitches. Lomac wrote, cue the Nessie sightings from the other side of the loch, closest looking animal to Nessie, the mischievous bunch from Loch Ness alpacas in Doris and Vanessa, had a nosy round the uh, Balariac 
Bed and breakfast situated next to the pen on the banks of Loch Ness. One of the sneaker alpacas was seen being caught yesterday as it cooled down in the lock. It looked a dead ringer for the 1934 surgeon's photo, which was found to be a fake 60 years later. That comes from Boffins posting a new bombshell Nessie theory, suggesting that the beast might actually have been a freshwater dinosaur. Fossils of small plesiosaurs, long-necked marine reptiles from the dinosaur age have been unearthed in a hundred million year old river system that's now the Morocco Sarara Devot. On the other hand, it could be a prehistoric alpaca or a llama with great longevity. Hold the mustard. You've no choice thanks to a global shortage of the spicy Dijon variety. Dijon mustard is the backbone of countless culinary classics. What are sausages without a blob on the side to swipe them through? Roast beef loses its raison d'etre without a smear of the stuff. Most at risk though are vinaigrettes and dressings which means your summer salads are in jeopardy. Sacre bleu! Indeed, but don't point fingers at the French. Dijon might be produced in Burgundy, but the condiments crisis or la grande penure de moutard, as locals call it, is actually the result of a heat wave last summer in Canada, where 80% of the seeds used to make the mustards are grown. Growth plummeted and supermarket shelves across Europe are bare as a result. The king of French cooking, Michael Roux, advocates two teaspoons of mustard in his perfect vinaigrette. Raymond Blanc uses it generously in the dressing for his maman's favorite tomato salad. So what do the French chefs suggest you do instead? First and foremost, not panic. It's not a massive crisis, I'm honest, says Matt Ryle, the head chef at Maison Francois in St. James's, London. In his restaurant, the main use for Dijon mustard is in salad dressings. We're happy to use it. Other mustards like whole grain or grapeseed does the trick. When the shortage began, French media put out the crisis, asking cooks and chefs to suggest alternatives. One chef in Nantes suggested making mayo with wasabi, the spicy Japanese green paste. Instead, this is a big faux pas. As lovely as wasabi is, it shares no similarities with mustard, says Shimon Shan, the executive chef at the Michelin-starred French restaurant Le Roy, and its sister site Royale, which specializes in Provencal cooking. Shan usually orders five kilograms of Dijon mustard at a time for his kitchens. It's like liquid gold right now. Proceed with caution with other swaps, though. The shortage doesn't give you condiment carte blanche. Tahini-based dressings are good for Middle East-inspired grain salads. To make enough dressing for four mixed tablespoons of tahini with the juice of a small lemon. But what about sausages and burgers and steaks? For those... You have to look to America. Ranch dressing would go nicely with grilled meats like chicken and beef. I'm going to handle something creamy and dairy. Sean makes his own equal parts creme fraiche and mayo with garlic, onion, parsley, lemon and dill. This is an opportunity to experiment with something new. Et voila! What shortage. You know what? I have some Dijon and the... Just, can you excuse me just for a second here? Can you just excuse me just for a second here whilst I go and hide my Dijon? Excuse me a minute here. I said it's a full jar of Dijon. Excuse me, sorry, can you just be quiet? It's a full jar of Dijon. Oh, I don't want to get it on the microphone. That might sting the lips. I'm going to hide this behind the dumplings, darling.
Have you ever had a uh, pheasant breast nearly crush your foot? Well, that's just happened to me. The Dijon is hidden. Don't tell anybody. But it's behind the dumplings, between the frozen sprouting broccoli and the frozen black currants. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It's been smashing having you here. It's been a wondrous treat. I hope it's helped you relax with some summery, sultry tunes on the Butler Emporium playlist edition that we have on Spotify. If you like your music scattered around the usual usual chappy, catastrophic chatterings, then uh, then that is the place for you. The Butler Emporium musical edition, the podcast with music. You have some lovely Janet Jackson. You have some The Cure. You have some Britney Spears, you have some La Jula Taxi, Vanessa Paradis, some Odyssey, some Sleeper, Green Tea Peng, you have some Biggie Smalls, you have some Supergrass, and you have some delicious, delightful yacht rock to sail away into the sunset with a bottle of Dom Perignon 69 draped from your toe. Like and subscribe where you can. I'm across all the platforms. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also listen on Slacker, Breaker, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Audible, at Google Podcasts, also the edition on Amazon Podcasts as well. Absolutely everywhere. I mean, as I opened up that Dijon mustard and the whiff of the little particles and mustard seeds went up my nostrils, I could also hear tingling on the ear hair. Keep calm in cauliflower cheese. Coming up next, we have a poem. This weathered jewel began as a normal shard of shattered glass, but given time, the national persistence from the seaboard's its sharp, translucent, brittle, crystalline material. Just so much composite sand is ground from broken bottles or even a distant shipwreck until the sharp edges become smoothed and round this cocktail of colour found among the rocks. Crafted by the patient ocean's constant dance leads the same sand and glass to lose its former luster. And whilst it loses us, it gains a gloss of frost-slow form that shapes a stronger matter. A shell as tough as nature can command, a fragile glass becomes hard as diamond. We'll be back again before the weekend sun sets over the yardarm. Until next time, have a lovely, sultry, summery, one of the final weekends in August. Chappy out. Cheerio. Can I have a cheese and toffee sandwich? Ho, 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 you sexy beast. <laughs>